Kat. And I'm Kurt, and you're listening to Kat and Kurt's TV Review. Welcome to episode 55, The Lost That Is Yet to Come. This week, we're discussing season 3, episode 20 of Buffy, The Prom, and series 4, episode 12 of Doctor Who, The Stolen Earth. As always, we suggest you watch the episodes before you listen to the podcast. Also, if you haven't done so already, you may want to listen to our first podcast to get an idea of our methodology. All right, so the prom this week. Um, really good episode. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, some kind of surprisingly, um, almost catastrophic, happy, you know, sort of yeah. fulfilling moments, but then also a lot of bittersweetness as well. So sure, it's kind sure. of a nice... A nice mix, I think. Um, so before we get into the happy stuff, <laughs> let's yeah. do the yes. sad, depressing stuff. Let's jump right into <laughs> um, the slit our wrist. Exactly. Part. No, we'll we'll do the tough stuff first, and then we'll cleanse our palates afterwards. So um, sounds good. You know, obviously the big, you know, change this week, and and you know, or even we see, you know, we called this episode the loss that is yet to come because this this loss isn't really wholly effective yet but you know we get uh the the breakup of Buffy and Angel which is looking forward towards you know pretty soon Angel you know taking himself off to star in his own show but really to <laughs> to remove himself from the whole situation so, what a meta cynical <laughs> way to look at it <laughs> I know, but yes terrible. you're right um, you're right but but that hasn't happened yet you know and and but first you know we get and and i don't want to i don't want to be cynical about it because obviously there are very compelling narrative reasons why this is you know the, the way the story needs to go you know um and it's certainly not been unforeseen you know pretty much since they've been interested in each other romantically there's been this sort of looming question of how is this ever going to work and can this ever work you know and you know pretty much we've seen the evolution of that over three seasons of them trying to figure out the answer to that question um and well and that's a good that's a good point because i don't actually know when they decided or or when it was determined that angel would have his own show so that you know it's it's easy to sort of have that cynical response oh well they're just writing it this way but yeah but really i mean there there is good legitimate within the text reasons oh yeah yeah you know to to have this breakup happen and and you know they've been dealing with it since Angel came back. Oh yeah, know, yeah, uh, yeah. At the beginning of the season, so yeah, and it's and it's totally within Angel's character. You know, mm-hmm. like you totally. He's always been um, the. I mean, obviously, he's a lot older than Buffy, so he has you know a lot more experience and everything to apply. You know, he's not as optimistic and young you know as Buffy is you know but then even just in his personality he's always been sort of you know brooding and melancholy you know and he's always been the type to you know 
because of this burden of the knowledge of his own, you know, monstrousness. He's always been the kind of self-sacrificial one to deny himself rather than, you know, like for the sake of Buffy or for other people or, you know, that's always been since we've known him, you know, not right. not when he was, you know, a, you know, a human running around, you know, kind of living a cavalier life. But certainly since we've known him as a 200 year old vampire, that's been his character. Mm -hmm. um, so it it was kind of always a matter of time before he realized he can't live with himself, you know, allowing this to go on, you know, allowing this to be Buffy's future. Yeah. Um, well, and and I I want to point out too, like because you, well, we've we've gotten speeches, right? We've we've we mentioned the speeches from both Spike and the mayor. Yeah. Um, you know about you know from Spike it was you two can never be just friends. You know, mm -hmm. get over it. And and sort of so the assumption from there is okay, then we should be lovers. Yeah. But then the mayor is sort of the opposite, right? Yeah. You two can never be lovers. You yeah. can't be full, complete lovers anyway. And and even if you are, it's not going to end well. Yeah. So so you're getting so you know, over the course of the season and and in those two particular spots especially, you're getting this sort of like winnowing of options, yeah. you know, down to the point where you you really can't do anything but we have to stay apart and, and right. And, you know. and not only can like, okay, you can't be friends, you can't be lovers, but they can't be around each other without being those things. So right. it even becomes, we can't stay near each other. We have to right. just go away. Um, and, which is and, kind of an interesting, you know, cause in, was it in <clears throat> becoming when we see angels backstory, when we realize it was protecting Buffy that gave him a purpose. In part one, yeah. Yeah. You know, like, he was sort of lost and without any clear sense of purpose before that. So mm. what it kind of suggests to me is, like, okay, as we prepare for the splitting of the story into two separate, you know, not I'm sure they're going to, I know they're going to interact, and it's not like they're never going to have impact on each other, but effectively there's going to be two separate strands at this point you know mm -hmm. like there's going to be the angel show over here and the buffy show over here and what is interesting to me is to think okay so this is the first time since angels you know been to take him you know what except for the times when he becomes evil and loses his soul this is the first time we're going to see angel with that purpose taken away, you know, like what, what is Angel's purpose if it's not to be near Buffy and to protect Buffy? And I'm sure he's protecting her obliquely. It's, you know, I'm sure he continues to be a good guy to fight evil, you know, but not in the same space as her, you know, if he leaves. Right. It's not a direct thing. And it's, it's, yeah. Yeah. Like you said, it's, it's very oblique. It's, yeah. It, it, it's only, they're on the same side, but he's no longer going to be that guardian angel protector figure, which was the right. reason he came to Sunnydale in the first place. And the reason he's had a purpose pretty much since we've known him. 
So yeah. I'll be interested to see what it does to his character to to still be on the good guy side, but to not have that to keep him going anymore. What is it that is his purpose if not that? that? Feels him. Yeah. yeah. No, that's a that's a great question and we're only a few episodes away <laughs> from maybe sort of starting to ask um, you know, directly that. But you know, you think about like Kendra like, we didn't even know Kendra existed until she showed up in Sunnydale. Yeah. So, presumably, she was doing something somewhere, but it wasn't helping Buffy. Sure. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, no, and, and I don't mean to say that that is the only <laughs> purpose he can have. I'm just... Yeah. I don't no, know. No, no. I don't know, and I don't know that Angel knows, what does his life mean if he's not with Buffy? You know? Like, because right. pretty much... He didn't have much of a life before Buffy. You know, it was a pretty yeah. empty life. Right. You know. Right. So. No, I think that's true, and 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 I wasn't saying that to disagree with you at all. I think that actually supports your point about Kendra to say, like there there is a way that he'll still be helping, sort of in the broad scheme of things, fighting the good fight. Yeah. But it but it won't be directly helping Buffy. It won't be in. Sunnydale, you know, trying to keep the Hellmouth closed and yeah, yeah. dealing with all the consequences of that. So, yeah. so I think that's absolutely right. There's, and, and we've seen there's sort of, you know, hints of other things like, you know, uh, well, anyway, there, there's, you know, there isn't just necessarily Buffy fighting against all this stuff out yeah. there, but, but it's, you know, how often, do we see anyone come help her with that? Right. And so to lose a great ally. Yeah. um, And, and in such a way as this happens, I mean, of course it's, it's not just, you know, someone we like leaving, but it's someone who Buffy loves, you know, saying I'm leaving because of you, because I can't be near you any longer, which is kind of it. I want to point out too, that we get, at the end of the last episode, right, we saw them sort of having their midnight picnic in the graveyard, uh-huh. snuggling together. Yeah. And now this episode opens with them snuggling together in Angel's bedroom again. Right. And right. so it's so there's sort of a um, a continuity, even though it's you know even they're, though they're different locations and probably different nights and whatever, there is a sort of a continuity to that, and we yeah. just. I think last time we mentioned that sort of awkward moment of staring out into space as the camera lingered on them, yeah, you know, yeah. when Buffy's trying to say everything's going to be okay. Right. The mayor doesn't know what he's talking about. Yeah. Um, and, and, and now we're kind of saying, well, I mean, Angel right out says actually he was right. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, very interesting. Yeah, and, and and there's a continuity there, but there's also a progression. There's that sense of yes, okay, well, it's still platonic, it's still snuggling, but it's moved from the graveyard to the bedroom, you know. And so there's yeah. that sense of yeah. starting to, you know, how how much, you know, like it it went from well, we can be around each other, but we're not going to be romantic. And, okay, we're going to be romantic, but we're not going to be intimate. Okay, well, we're going to be somewhat intimate, but, you know, no, we can't go that far. And now, you know, we're on the bed. And so there is that sense of, you know, how long would it be? How long, you know, how long can they be around each other before, you know, we get back to 
you know, where we were before. And playing with dangerous borders, you know, of sure. what what is acceptable. And Yeah, and, and Angel, you know, Buffy kind of declares, you know, that stuff doesn't matter. And, you know, we could take her at her word or we could agree with Angel and say, yeah, it doesn't matter right now, but you might feel differently in the future. And he's pretty confident that they would feel differently. And he's probably speaking as much about himself as her. You know, it's not just what Buffy wants, but it would be what would Angel want, you know, if they're going to be together forever. Um, well, and that's an interesting moment too, right? When she misreads what his, what he's saying about what she wants versus yeah, what he wants. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, for, I forget the exact wording, but, but she yeah, says it's, something it's, like, she says, I want my life to be with you. And he says, I don't. And what well, he says, well, I don't. And she takes that as, you don't want to be with me. But clearly what he's saying is, I don't want you to be with me. That's not what right. I want. It's not what, about what he doesn't want. It's about what he doesn't want for her. Right. You know, he, of course he wants to be with her, but he doesn't want her to be with him, if that makes sense. You know, so there's that kind of yeah. self-flagellation that we know of Angel. Right. You know, that's right. his, you know. He's, and he calls it a freak show. He's his own right. worst critic, you know. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. He um right, he calls it a freak show. And again, you get the sense that Buffy's not quite maybe understanding yeah. what he's saying there. Right, um, right. You know, that that he's referring to himself as the freak, yeah. you know, and, yeah. and that it uh right, is not, not gonna right, end. Right, right. Well. She takes it as referring to the relationship and and her by implication and yeah. Yeah. Yep. So very interesting, uh you know, overall conversation, but yeah. And, and, you know, and I like the way they use the prom as kind of the catalyst for that. Like it kind of, yeah. you know, that this is the time when Buffy is most excited and getting more and more jazzed about, you know, and she's not thinking of the future. She's thinking about, I just want a nice prom, you know, but of course the more she talks about it, the more it prompts Angel to think about the future um you know and well and seeing like the notebook with buffy, buffy and angel, angel forever. forever it was such a i you know what i only caught that the second time because i think i was taking notes the first time at that moment and it was such a that's such a you know high school girl detail you know like <laughs> that just rang really true it was like even and it's funny because you you forget to think about buffy as like high school girl you know think of her as like this yeah. crusader against evil but then she's Buffy and angel forever on her notebook you know like just any other you know mm -hmm. girl her age so um i thought that was a really nice little touch sure sure well and and we should talk about two sort of you know so you see that and and you sort of get these hints that angels may be thinking in that direction of you know yeah, maybe maybe not thinking that he's going to break up with her and leave town, but but that at least he's having some reserves and you have Joyce come to yeah. help push him over that edge. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, she comes what, at just the right moment. What did you think of that? Were, were you because well, and I should acknowledge you you kind of called it because you said that you you thought Angel would sort of you know be the one to have to leave um 
I don't remember if you said that on the podcast or if we were just talking about it, but I remember you saying that. So, so first I'll, uh, I'll acknowledge yeah, that you remember, called that. <laughs> I don't even remember when or what I said. <laughs> um, I mean, I guess just, yeah, that seeming like this was like, I think Joyce is probably right. Like if, if anyone is going to make this decision, it's going to have to be angel, you know, and whether mm-hmm. that means that's the right decision Certainly, it wasn't one that Buffy, you know, at least at this point, Buffy's in it, you know, for the long haul, you know, whereas mm-hmm. Angel was obviously going to have to be the one to think in the broader picture, I guess. Um, and that just, I mean, as far as Joyce goes, that kind of is what you'd expect the mom to say, you know, like that's the parent coming in and, you know, yeah, I guess protecting her daughter. You know, you can kind of hardly blame her for that. Um, no, no, you can't. I just, um, I would, you know, I think I've always thought that's sort of an unexpected thing, though, because it, you know, not that I mean, Joyce obviously has always had sort of strong opinions and stuff, but yeah, it it's just not this, you know, with her whole like awakening. It's of, true. It's true. You know, to I'm, what Sunnydale is, she she's sort of. Has backed off yeah. of you know how Buffy's been handling her life, and and also I like that she's she sort of seems to be assuming the worst about what their relationship is because yeah. she's like I I don't want the details I don't want to know I'm not yeah. I'm not here for the details when in fact it has remained fairly I mean it's romantic or whatever but it's yeah you know like you said it's not like it, what's Angel going to say we're not having sex yeah <laughs> you yeah, know yeah. What I mean like well they're not literally you can tell that because he's not evil right exactly so um and i'm not even sure how much joyce knows i mean we know that buffy had the chat you know there was the whole sex talk oh so that was the talk right 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 right, yeah um but like i'm not sure if joyce knows about the specific connection between angelus's behavior and losing his soul right because you do kind of he kind of says oh you know what happened won't happen again and then she's like and and it's like he's expecting her to be there about that like you know what's buffy doing spending the night here where she's like yeah i'm not even here about that like i don't want to know you know so you kind of aren't sure how much like she kind of maybe knows that him losing his soul had something to do with it, but maybe not exactly what. Um, but, you know, she's also thinking more in the bigger picture, you know. Mm-hmm. And it is, like, I guess it is unexpected from Joyce because we're used to her being sort of in her own world a little bit, you know, and, and not not uncaring, but not totally aware of all the implications. Whereas here you actually get her thinking about the implications of their what their relationship means, you know, mm-hmm. like Angel's not just another boyfriend. You get her thinking about um, right the more you know, supernatural what what, what that aspects. means for Buffy in the long term, um, yeah. um, and also just I mean Buffy's out late or all night, you yeah. know, uh, a, a lot of times. So the the fact that you know she knows that she spent the night there and you know, that sort of thing too, is just kind of like another, uh, yeah, I mean, it's good. I I think you're right. I think it's not like, 
yeah, certainly what she does is is well and good and motherly and that's nice and whatever. I just I've always thought that it it's a little unexpected and not mm-hmm. not in like a, you know, bad way or anything, just kind of a, you know, it it's more that again, it's that nudge that Angel sort of needs to, to take action. Right. Yeah. Uh, whereas before that, he's just sort of brooding about yes. it. <laughs> well, yeah, like the mayor want to do. The mayor was just saying, like, this is what's going to happen. And then Joyce is the one who comes in and says, if you want it to be any different, you're going to have to do it. Like, it's yeah. Joyce that kind of puts the burden of decision on him, you know. Mm-hmm. And maybe he was thinking that anyway, but she sort of confirms it. So. Right. The buck up and be a man. You know, yeah, kind of. About it. <laughs> Um, I like the whole, you know, discussion about his place not being very girlfriendly too. Yeah, yeah. Like it, it seems a very sort of like coupley sort of discussion. As you know, you're getting, you know, to that point where you're thinking about spending more time together. Yeah, like I should get. We a need. Drawer and... We need to redecorate a little. Yeah, you know, this yeah. isn't. Um, you know. This shouldn't be a bachelor pad, maybe. Maybe it needs a little feminine touch yeah, to it. Yeah. <laughs> and and Joyce comes in and sees, like, manacles hanging from the wall and all yeah, this. Yeah, wow. Like, yeah. Right. And immediately, of course, you have to think about that that whole scene of um, when Angel's pretending, again, to be Angelus and saying, like, oh, you know, how come we never use chains? Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, all the time we were together and that kind of thing. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah, so, okay, so they break up, and, um, I, you know, I, well, anything specific to the breakup itself, I mean, we kind of talked about it a bit, any, any other thoughts there, before we sort of um, go into, like, the fallout of the breakup? Well, I mean, I just thought, like, I think they did a good job of, like, finding the balance between Buffy being kind of suitably upset and devastated without making it too melodramatic on her part you know like she did a really good job of really feeling devastated but not turning into like a stereotype I think you know and and the fact that she kind of I don't want to say she gets over it quickly but she is reasonable you know like she's upset but she also there's a part of her that says i understand and this will make sense eventually i'll you know i'll go on you know life isn't over and maybe in the long run this is the right decision by by the end you mean by the end yeah 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 of the episode yeah yeah not not immediately and i don't expect her to even be over it you know anytime soon you know but um but like even if she doesn't feel it yet, there's still that recognition, you know. Right. Because and, she, is, and the, I just she meant... is the high school girl, but she's also more than that. So you you still have a sense of she's mature and she gets the bigger picture, you know. Yeah, no, I like, and I wasn't even I wasn't even talking about that far like into oh, the sorry. episode. I, I was talking just about the scene itself of where oh, they actually I see. Okay. uh break up. So Yeah. Um, well, I'm sorry, then I went further than you meant. <laughs> well, because I, I want to talk about, like, you know, her breakdown with Willow and mm-hmm. that kind of stuff, too. Like, because I think, 
you know, I think there's there's some stuff there. So I just meant like in when they're actually sort of there. Yeah, but the, even in but even in that episode, you kind of have both. You have her, you know, in the thick of the emotion and breaking down, but you also have her saying, maybe he's right, and and even defending. You know, when Willow does the the good best friend thing, you know, she says like it's my job to vilify the boyfriend. Um, you even have Buffy saying you know, don't be too hard on him. This actually, you know, I may not like it and I may not be over it anytime soon, but I understand why he's making it and maybe in the long run it'll be the best thing, you know? So, like, even as she's going through the emotion of it, you still have her understanding that. But yeah. I think I think that... Um, Sarah Michelle Geller does a really good job of showing both of those and not shortchanging it. Like, you don't feel like, oh, she's not really that upset by it. But you also don't feel like she's so upset that, you know, that she's, you know, not also handling it with maturity and stuff. So I think she kind of hits a nice balance, I guess. Yeah. And I would say it's not that it's not so much that she's not upset because like clearly she is and, and you get the, you know, I feel like I'm dying, <laughs> you know, I'm just oh, trying yeah, not yeah, to yeah. die, yeah. you know, and, and I feel like I can't breathe and that kind of stuff. But it's it is that sort of resignation to that. Once again, she's just different. And she talks yeah. about um, uh, I forget exactly where she says it, uh, you know, about not being able to have the perfect high school moment, you know, this yeah. is, this is me. It's, it's, I'm sort of beyond that. I think yeah. that's, is that later when they meet in the butcher shop? I think. Yeah. Like our, um, she, she's over the whole Buffy has a perfect high school moment thing. Like she's yeah. just, yeah, there is that resignation of that's just not going to happen. Right. Um, and, and she talks about, you know, like, Oh, you know, let's not do this because whenever I think about us, I tend to go catatonic, yeah, 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 yeah. you know, like it's, so it's clearly still sort of affecting her. Um, oh yeah. And I don't, and, I don't mean and, to suggest that it's not. Yeah. No. And I, I'm not saying you were, but the, you know, the, the, well, of course. And then you get angel right after seeing that he's like, Oh, but can I help? I know. Well, no, and actually, <laughs> You can't. You need to stay away. Like, if you're going to go yeah. away, then you have to go away. And that's why I'm thinking about what does this mean for him? Because he can't even go the whole rest of the episode without, <laughs> you know, right. offering. Which takes place over like two days. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, like, that's why it's interesting from Angel's point of view. Because clearly, this is as much, you know, as it means as much to him as it does to her, if not more so, you know, because. His whole purpose has been wrapped up in helping Buffy, whereas not, you know, Angel is clearly hugely important to Buffy, but she has a purpose separate from him, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, she has, and it's kind of the fact that she has that purpose that allows her to move at least a little bit past it, you know, that she kind of takes, rather than just being catatonic, she says okay, well, if I'm not going to have a perfect prom, then everyone else sure as hell is going to have one. And I'm going to make sure <laughs> that it, that they do. Right, so right. I like that, that they took that and made that something positive for her, you know, 
Sure. Um, sure. Or she was able to take a lemon and make some lemonade. You know, like, take the pain and make something good out of it. Um, you know, and it's Angel that's offering to help and coming back and saying, well, I'll go to the prom with you and all these things. So, in a way, you almost see the way in which it's more difficult for him to move on and to separate than it is for Buffy. Mm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So they broke up right before the prom. Yes. And of course he um, has to do it like, yeah, right then. <laughs> yeah. You know, I guess. <laughs> uh, and he said he's going to leave after the Ascension mm-hmm. if they survive. Yes. Um, which we still don't really know what that entails yes. uh, at this point. But, uh, yeah, so, bummer. But he shows up. He does. He shows up to the prom anyway. And, and you know, I was kind of hoping that he would. And, <laughs> and you know, it's like, yeah. And you get the, well, we'll talk about the Buffy's other prom moment in a little bit. But, like, you, it's not the perfect high school moment. But he gives her... Something approximating a, a perfect high school moment, like she gets to go to the prom with him, you know. And yeah, even if, yeah. and even if it's gonna be more, you know, heartbreak later on in the moment, you know, she's getting, she's getting the prom. She's getting at least he's yeah, there. Yeah. yeah, and that's like you said, that's sort of the point where she says, you know, she understands. Yeah, about, you know, it's not anything more than it is it's we're at the prom together you know and that's all it is and yeah that's fine and just enjoy it while it's happening yeah so okay well enough about their relationship now that we've spent the whole first half of our (laughs) conversation on it talking about it uh so the prom stuff yeah all together just the the whole yeah. around it so um we can probably sort of quickly dispose as buffy does of the monsters of the week yeah <laughs> um you know okay there's some hellhounds there by a dude who gets rejected by a girl yeah um and and every maladjust you know, just has his reasons <laughs> yeah right um you know and in a in a way um you know you get you again you get this like threat against the school you know, from a student, but very different feel from earshot. Yes. <laughs> you know, where, where, uh, yeah, I don't know. It just, it, I don't know. I think, I mean, you had to sort of have a monster for the week. And so they kind of came up with these things and that's fine. And, and you get the humorous moment of seeing like all the prom videos, you know, the movies that feature proms. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, is how he trained and, them yeah, and stuff. Yeah. 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 Uh, and and the, the and the humor of them being trained to be attracted to formal wear and music and and right. I like when Buffy tries to chase them away and then they hear the the party music and yeah. turn around Celebrate. and start running like yeah, yeah. that is very funny. Um, so yeah, some funny stuff there, but uh, you know she takes them out pretty quickly. Yeah. But I think you know one one minor point too though is is again you sort of get the contrast so like in your shot we got the contrast of you know when she's talking with jonathan uh about this isn't how you take care of things right getting yeah. up into a bell shower with a rifle and and so you know once again you get this 
thought of she's going through way worse than being rejected for the yeah, prom. Yeah, yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? And and so what's she doing? Like you said, she's turning that into a positive thing. She's trying to make sure that everyone else has a good time and mm. and you know is working toward it. So as opposed to this other guy who, you know, I don't know, maybe he asked more than one girl out, but we only have evidence for him asking one and what right. he goes and raises hellhounds and right. sicks like, them and, it's and hardly, wants a bloodbath for it. And it's hardly <laughs> the rejection of like the love of his life. It's like some random girl who, yeah. you know. Yeah, she's just like, nah, I yeah. don't want to go with you. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, again, you have this sort of like, you know, dude, get over yourself yeah. moment yeah. of of let's really think about what's appropriate here and and why we do the things we do. But I, you know, I think the earshot connection um, is a much better one. I think this one was, was more, was more about the Buffy and angel relationship and sort of the reactions to that and making sure, um, you know, we, we sort of understand what's going on there than the monsters itself. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Um. But the other earshot connection I think is very, important yeah so let's is. talk about the class protector moment yeah um, well yeah i mean it's so nice that it's jonathan you know because because I, I like the double significance of you know he is obviously one of the people one of the the sort of Red shirts, I guess, that Buffy's been protecting all along. Or would, seen... would be red shirts. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. They're not red shirts because Buffy is there. Exactly. And it, like, and we've seen him, like, I mean, he's been one of the crowd, but we've even seen Buffy specifically save his life several times, you know? So, mm-hmm. like, you know it means, you know, personal things to him. And then, specifically, she knows she saved his life from his himself, you know? So... Mm-hmm. There's that on top of it. And there's kind of a way in which, even though he didn't turn out to be the one who was going to slaughter the school, there's a sense in which, you know, she even kind of protected the school from him in a way, you know, from or what she thought he was going to do. And even from the trauma of having him, you know, commit suicide on, on the school grounds and everything. Like, you know, there's so many ways in which... Jonathan is sort of resonant with Buffy's yeah. protectiveness, you know, from mm-hmm. many different angles, I think. Right. So, right. yeah, it makes no, sense and, that and it this, would be him. This is exactly why I wanted to make sure we watched it in the order that it was sort of originally intended rather than, um, you know, through the unfortunate circumstances that it, it got you know, switched around, uh, in order in the original airing. But yeah, I think there's so much more resonance here with Jonathan and, and getting up and saying there, but, but I also, and you know, not just that it's him, Mm. but also in the actual words that are said, because, um, you know, he, he gets up there and he reads this, uh, note that's supposedly from the prom committee, but there is a distinct, um, parallel structure to those words that, he reads out and, and the speech that Buffy gives him. And mm-hmm. I just want to sort of draw a few comparisons here. Yeah. Because I hadn't really I, noticed that. I, I feel like it's way too similar to be an accident. Accidental, like I, yeah. I, I, I feel like it has to be something. So he gets up there and he reads this. And, and so the first thing is he says, we're not good friends. Well, what's Buffy, you know, 
uh, when in, in, in the opening thing there, he keeps using his name and he says, stop that. Stop using my name like we're friends. Mm-hmm. So it's like he's acknowledging this. Like still, even after this incident, you know, we're yeah. not good friends. And then um, – he goes on. Most of us never found the time to get to know you, but that doesn't mean we haven't noticed you. Well, what does she say to him? I don't. I don't think about you much at all. Yeah. Nobody here does. It bugs you, doesn't it? You have all this pain and all these feelings, and nobody's paying attention. So again, you get this sort of, you know, yeah. What is it noticing? But um, and then he goes on. We don't talk about it much, but it's no secret that Sunnydale High isn't like the other school. So again, you know, this idea of these things are going on, but mm-hmm. they're not being voiced, you know, just like, you know, Buffy saying my life happens to suck on occasion, you know, yeah. but everyone down there has these things that they're too busy to deal with. Yeah. Um, it sounds quiet, you know, but it's own. really so, deafening. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. That, that whole idea of right, right, right. It's, it's not quiet down there. It's deafening. Yeah. And so, um, you know, and then he sort of goes on to to say, you know, most of the people have been saved by you or helped by you. Um, and you just think about that moment that she turns to him and says, you know, I could have taken that from you. Mm. I, but I'd rather do it this way. And that's like of the whole scene, that's her being concerned about him, um, not as an aggressor, but as a victim too. Yeah, you know, yeah, he yeah. is sort of an aggressor in that moment, but yes, he's also a victim. Yeah. And so, and and that's her moment of like saving him. So it's just, you know, like the and I mean there's other words, it's not quite worded differently. Then he kind of goes on to to give the idea of, you know, what the you know, the the, the umbrella thing that he gives her and stuff. So, you know, but I think just that that whole like first half of that letter that he reads out is is very and I would I would argue probably yeah. intentionally structured in a way to very much mirror that um yeah you know, sort well, of insight it, that she gives him and it and it you know Buffy in that speech that she gives is talking about I mean she mentions her own difficulties like she says you know my life sucks too and everything but mostly what she's talking about is is Jonathan's pain and everyone else's pain, but here, or or they're not feeling empathized with or noticed, you know, whereas here mm-hmm. he's, it's the school acknowledging, you know, that she's we don't that know you too. either, you know, that right. they're all aware that she's been doing this and none of them have really taken, you know, the initiative to understand or empathize with her, you know. So and also at the time when ways. she's feeling loneliest, yeah, yeah. you know, because of the stuff that she just went through with Angel yeah. and and feeling like she's not included because she's out fighting these hellhounds and stuff while everyone yeah. is inside dancing and having a good time. So, yeah. yeah. And it's, um, um, I kind of like that this is nice that it uh, culminated this way with the season because I think it was just, I mean, it's been that way since the beginning. You get the vampires attacking various places like the bronze or the school or whatever and you're like you know we talked about the levels of knowledge and people being sort of ignorant and everything the whole way through or explaining it away as drugs or you know you know uh whatever gas explosions all those sorts of things but um you know it was really in earshot when buffy runs up the staircase and climbs up the building and does all these crazy acrobatics that it sort of hit me like 
how blasé the whole school is about it. You know, because normally when, yeah. <laughs> when she does all these things, it's usually at night. Um, mm-hmm. It's usually... Or at least somewhere, like, remote, it's you know, usually, secluded. Or, or a small group of people. You know, there's some way you can explain it away. Whereas here, there's no way to explain that away. It's broad daylight in the middle of the school court, courtyard. Everybody sees it. Mm-hmm. You know, and and again here you get that you get the boy who gets like is is going to be attacked by the three hellhounds. Buffy fights him off, and then he just wants to know where the bathroom is. So I've been thinking the last couple episodes, like you know, gosh, they're getting more and more bold about having Buffy be the superhero, and nobody's even saying anything. And I like that you've realized in this episode they're not all just idiots. They actually have noticed and. You know, just because it's not, you know, it's sort of an open secret. But, you know, I think we and the Scoobies have been under the illusion that they've been keeping this stuff hidden. <laughs> so yeah, you kind of yeah. realize, no, you know, maybe it's not publicly official, but they as a community are aware that something's going on. We're not like other places. And... It's Buffy. You know, we don't know what she does. We don't know what she is. Yeah. But whatever she's doing, she's saving the day. And we're all aware of it. So I yeah. like that they, again, taking what could be not a plot hole, but, like, just something that you just uh, sort of willingly suspend your disbelief, kind of. Yeah. Take yeah. it and, no, say, we're going to acknowledge it and make, you know make it into something else you know which mm-hmm. is a really i think clever way of doing it you know yeah 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 and and ultimately a very very nice i i mentioned that yeah this, it makes it feel kind scene, of satisfying you know it makes it feel like yeah, well that three years that three years of high school was well spent and worth something you know and that she mm-hmm. as much as she's we've talked about fighting the long defeat and she's still fighting it you know, they say they have the lowest mortality rate. So yeah. you would think they have the highest mortality rate given the amount of death that there's been. <laughs> but you realize, oh, before Buffy, it was even worse. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's still pretty and bad. But think of how even, much worse could it be? And not even that it was worse, but that people noticed how bad it was. You know, like you I mean, going right along with what you're saying is, yeah, people knew it was bad here. And, yeah. And maybe not a hundred percent sure why, but knew that strange things sort of went on and that Sunnydale wasn't like other places. And um, so, yeah, so definitely i like that feeling. And I think, you know, we've gotten that sort of some of those hints, not as strongly, but um, sort of all along the season two, especially like I'm thinking of uh, Cordy and the wish, you know, right away realizing, well, this sucks Buffy not being here, you know, like, like there's something definitely wrong about this, this situation and how bad it was. And, and, and again, getting to see what it might've been like um, there. So this is sort of, this is, you know, obviously like most of the people don't even know that that wish verse existed or whatever, but, but this is the acknowledgement of, that you know it's almost the vindication of that wish verse yeah, <laughs> you know just yeah. to, to say or the non the vindication of its non-existence or something like that yeah, i don't yeah. know exactly how to say it but you know the the idea that 
if Buffy wasn't here, things would absolutely be much worse. And so, you know, you go from having that, um, you know, having that sort of thought that nobody's noticing what I'm doing and everything is kind of just, you know, it's a thankless job or whatever to realizing that no, in mass kids can actually be somewhat gracious as Giles puts it. So, yeah. uh, Very, very nice moment. And I, I mentioned to you that this one always sort of, gets caught in the back of my throat yeah it's 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 a it's a good moment for buffy and we like to enjoy it with her um yeah so yeah and again that that is really even more than because the angel thing has such bitter sweetness to it this is really the perfect high school moment you know like buffy Mm. gets Mm -hmm. a perfect high school moment you know, yeah, of, and a completely unexpected, and it totally even better because it's unexpected. You right. know that it's you know it, that's nice for her to get that kind of like vindication and recognition before she goes on to what is presumably going to be another thankless task of protecting her college. You know, <laughs> like yeah, you know, you are. yeah, you know that moment of feeling like it's not all fruitless. You know that it's she's getting some fruit and making a difference and everything. So. <laughs> Buffy does get fruit. He does get some fruit. <laughs> um, so the rest of the, uh, the party there at the prom, we should mm. maybe talk about them in the last few minutes here. The, uh, um, well, okay. So we wanted to talk about Xander and Cordy. And yeah. The yeah. And I obviously and... totally misread the Cordy situation from last time. You know, I was trying to find yeah. a way I was trying to find a way of, I think I was so stuck on it having something to do with their going to college, you know, whereas, uh, which it sort of does in a, because it sounds as though she may not get to go, um, given the financial situation, which is a huge bummer. Um, But her her immediate purposes are, much more immediate she's you know she's not she's not going to work you know to save up for college or to replace college she's going so that she can just buy herself a prom dress um you know yeah and and you get that sort of like idea that she's sort of been slapped in the face with the real world kind of thing but but at the same time she's still concerned about the things that she's always been concerned about so so there's maybe a little cognitive dissonance going on in in her own mind but um yeah yeah but also but also that's a moment of connection with buffy a little bit like you know why shouldn't she want to go to the prom isn't this the the stuff she's supposed to get invested in like you feel like now you know her situation is obviously different from buffy's but both of them just want that nice and she's kind of had a sucky time of it this year anyway. So you kind yeah, of well, you kind of yeah. want them to have that perfect high school moment. You know, she kind of wants that the same as Buffy does. So Yeah. And you know, I mean obviously Cordelia was very privileged and you know had money and had prestige and whatever. And yeah. it's it's sort of funny to get her concept of what people are going to be saying about her and the fears that she has yeah. about what other people think of her. Again, going right back into the, you know, well, with Cordy, we know that she says what she thinks. Mm-hmm. So, like, we legitimately, scientifically, from Buffy's experience, yeah, know that, have, right, in this case. We have Pro- proof. verifiable proof of that. <laughs> um, 
you know, so so you have this idea that, you know, what she's concerned about is, you know, I have nothing. OK, no dresses, no cell phone, no car. These are the things that have been taken away from her. Um, you know, she can't go to college anymore. She can't stay home because she no longer has one. Apparently, it's either been taken or whatever by, you know, these problems, um, you know, with, with her father's taxes, but then she, you know, it's like, and, and I wear a name tag. I'm a name tag person now, yeah. you know, go tell everyone that like, that's the worst fate she could have possibly imagined. Yeah, and, is that, and probably she's the one that cares about, like nobody else would really care about the name right. tag, but yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. So, you know, on the one sense, there is sort of a funny, triviality to that but on the other sense you know that's a traumatic experience you know Absolutely. like that's um, yeah, I mean, and and it's a real like okay so maybe she's not thinking about how she's gonna eat later right, today right. you know yet but but you get the sense that that could easily be where she's going yeah um you know, right I, because yeah like the immediate problem is okay just get me through graduation but pretty soon it sounds like she's getting forcibly ejected into the grown-up world, you know, you know, right. Uh, right. support yourself, go make your own way, you know, and that's a yeah. scary thing, you know. Yeah. That would be scary so, for anybody, not just because, oh, it's Cordy and she worries about money. Like, no, for anybody, that would be, you know, kind of a a scary thing to be facing, you know, so... Yeah. That's kind of, kind of again with like with Angel, we're getting maybe a little bit of a glimpse into what Cordy is going to be doing in the future. You know, what kinds of things is she going to have to face? Um, right, right. She's going to have to find a job, and, yeah. And and it seems like she's well. I mean, she says she can't afford any of the colleges she got into. So what does that mean? You know? Yeah. Well will perhaps see some of what that means at some point. But um <laughs> the little mistake that daddy made on his taxes. Yeah. For the last twelve years. Twelve years, years yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, you know, that sucks. Uh but then again, once again in Cordy fashion, she picks out right of the way, you know, what the 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 essential clothing reason uh, yeah, yeah, for yeah. why the the you know monsters attack this other guy and i love when she's when they're all like figuring out like oh okay so you know someone you know who doesn't like us they're gonna attack at a big event that must be the prom and she's like yeah are you guys finally there yeah, Where like, i was there 10 minutes along? ago yeah <laughs> and it's it's just so funny because that's you know of course cordy again is going to be the one to pick out that the the hellhound went for the stylishly clothed yeah uh, you know formal wear guy rather than xander yes um anyway um and uh, I, I i so uh before we get to uh wesley i really like that it was i was expecting and hoping that it would have been xander to pay for the dress so i was sure. very glad when it was i mean who else I guess it could have been, it, it occurred to me it could have been Wesley, but it was like, well, Xander's the only one who really knows about this. And yeah. it gives them that nice moment of something of a reconciliation, something of a, 
making a nice or, gesture yeah, and her, yeah. and her accepting it, you know, and not in a right. snarky way, but genuinely him doing something nice. And you realize Xander doesn't have a lot of money either, you know, and right. Xander's taking money out of the road trip fund to pay yep. for his suit and everything. So and that's presumably kind of that's a, that's a generous thing for him to do as well. You know, it's right. not it's not like he has a ton of cash to throw around. So right. And that's presumably how he would have paid for the dress as well. Yeah. So considering he got both, you have to wonder how much of a road trip fund he still has. Right, right. <laughs> um, yeah. And the, you know, the other, the other thing I would just say there is, you know, the dress had to have been a pretty penny if, I mean, we've seen Cordelia she work needed there several a couple days weeks. Worth of work to, to, to pay yeah, for it. Yeah, yeah. She, she yeah. had been there a couple of weeks already that we've yeah. seen her you know, admiring it. And we don't know how long she might have been there, you know, yeah. already. So, you you know, it, maybe she's already paid some of it down. So maybe he wasn't paying for the whole thing, but right. clearly no, she no. didn't even have enough at that point right. to have paid the rest of it off. So it's, it's not like, you know, given 10 bucks for, you know, a happy meal or something. Yeah, exactly. Or, you know, yeah. I don't know how much. No, no. I think we're definitely but. supposed to see this as quite generous, you know, yeah. Um, on his part. Um, and I think you're right that it's, it is nice to just sort of see her genuine recognition of that. And, and also with no romantic attachment sort of implied no. or attached to it. No. Um, you know, on either part, you no, know, Xander. he's not trying to prove anything. He's not trying to win yeah. her back or anything, you know? Yeah. And no, and and no irony on her part in the acceptance of it, you know. Just sort of a genuine thanks. Um. So, and that's and that's true. Like it would be easy for Xander to use that as leverage, you know. But he doesn't. He just sort of gives it to her and then doesn't say anything while she is with Wesley. You know, we've been seeing him like burning up with jealousy, you know, over the last several episodes mm -hmm. so but you know here he just lets it go and uh and and wesley finally gets up the spine to do something about <laughs> it so yes yes so again maybe a little bit forward-looking hints of what might be in the future you know uh yeah those two yeah, and they like seem it. to... Giles doesn't exactly condone it, but he sort of just says, like, for God's sake, just stop, yeah. stop, you know, waffling about it and go do it. And Well, and we do learn that Cordy's 18, so this is not necessarily inappropriate. And Wesley's not a teacher, even though he yeah. hangs around at the school. He's, it's not like... is I mean, not that Giles would date a student or anything, but, like, it's it's a different situation, right? Yeah, there's no, right? like, you know, ethical reason why yeah. not or yeah. yeah so it's it's you know it's fine and and they seem to enjoy uh being together at the moment so and and cool. I, I like giles suggestion that maybe they're right for each other because she's 18 and you have the emotional maturity of a blueberry scone <laughs> so it's a match made in heaven <laughs> there you there you go <laughs> yeah um and so the other couple we should mention here is the uh, Anya and Xander. Yes. <laughs> what uh, What are your thoughts a little, there? A little less made in heaven. Xander seems ready to escape at any moment. Um, well, 
I mean, it's good. It's nice. Like, I think you mentioned she's going to be a bigger character in the future. So this is really the first time we're seeing her in a not antagonistic role. You know, that the first two times it was as the demon right. who unleashes, you know, terrifying dystopian alternate universes and, you know, smites. Sorry, that's a motorcycle. And, you know, smites, you know, uh disloyal men and all these things and here you know she seems to be kind of resigned to her fate to be stuck as a teenager and right. now she has all these feelings and she has <laughs> to she has to find a way to live and exercise them and funny that it's that she finds xander less annoying than other men that's kind of interesting um yeah so well and and interesting given that she's been around 1100 years and her whole <laughs> yeah. shtick has been to per, you know, uh, uh, persecute men <laughs> yeah. for the various evil things that they've done. So that, that does say something about Xander, you know, maybe a little bit that, uh, she finds him not that he's not obnoxious. It's just less obnoxious than the other alpha males, yeah, yeah. right. That she, that she uh, might have an opportunity to date. Yeah. Um, or to go to the prom. with. Well, and, and uh, he's also without a date. So that doesn't hurt. Uh, yes. So, right. Uh, right. Both of those things combined. But, right. We shouldn't overlook the whole, uh, equation, but, <laughs> yeah um and but you know so then she spends the prom uh you know jabbering about the plague and the renaissance and all the things she's lived through and all the you know demonic work that she's done and he you know looks a little bit desperate right. to get out when, of that <laughs> when xander is happy to see cordy and yeah. wesley yeah and and and, and together details about what they're doing <laughs> and, yeah that's a pretty sure sign that it's not going very well. No. <laughs> My God in heaven, it's good to see you. Yeah. Um, yeah. How are you? And details, please. <laughs> yeah. No. But I, I just love her uh, delivery of, of like, yeah, like you said, she, she can clearly, like, she, she's having these feelings. She wants to be with someone. She doesn't really understand why or, you yeah. know, know what it, it, what it means to go to the prom or all of this. Um but like at the same time, you know, I, well, Xander goes, well, gosh, I wonder what it could be. It couldn't yeah. have anything to do with your sales pitch. Men are evil. Will you go with me? Yeah. No, it's like <laughs> she's, she's at, you know, she's subject to her own feelings, but she kind of despises them at the same moment. But not so much that she isn't going to, you know, try to satisfy them. So. Yeah. 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 Yeah, no, there's clearly some conflict going yeah. on still within her own mind. So that's yeah. that will be interesting to watch unfold. Yeah. And um, um and she seems to be having a good time by the end. So in a in a non right. in a non angry way, you know, just sort of admitting actually this isn't so bad. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this this isn't bad. No. Um which is which is a classic example of i'm not sure how to pronounce it litotes or litotes uh the the rhetorical understatement mm, yeah <laughs> of yeah. of she i think it's a little more than not bad she seems to be rather yeah, enjoying yeah, yeah. It. um so anyway yes. 
Yes. Uh, not much to say about Oz this time around. He he also seems to be strangely affected. He's just strangely by, affected, yeah. By the uh, uh, prom. Yeah. But other than that, um, just sort of providing his usual support and, yes. and one or two comments here and there. Yeah, a, couple, a little bit of witty banter. Um, and Willow, I like that she's, let's quick and hurry up and have a good time because something bad is going to happen any minute. Right. So let's dance before, you know, hell descends on the prom. Which it doesn't, you know. No, and no. and Oz seems pretty certain that it won't. So, yep. Anyway, cool. Well, all right. So on to Doctor Who. Yeah. Now I should acknowledge yes. that I asked you if we could record this episode earlier than our normal because I really want to watch the second yeah. part of this. Well, I guess technically the third part because. The, you know, this yeah, is if you count extended turn from part one, yeah. turn left, and now we have stolen Earth, and and of course you get to that end, and well, we'll talk about that later. Yeah. So let's start with the Doctor and Donna because we kind of have two streams going, mm-hmm. and and they kind of the plots interleave and, until we get their meeting at the end. But um, let's maybe go through their half of the stuff first and then we yeah. can talk about the others. Sure. Um, so first of all, my, my first thought in watching <laughs> this episode, which I texted you was, so they still had milkmen in England in 2008. Hey, um, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna question okay. it. Okay. That's cool. That's fine. Maybe in this particular um, neighborhood they do. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it's, maybe it's a little rural or something yeah. like town or something. I don't know. Um, I, it's just not something that I thought ever existed in my <laughs> lifetime, let alone a few years ago. Yeah. But yeah. anyway. Um, yes, they do. Apparently, in this, in, in Doctor Who, they do have milkmen, at least. Sure, sure. Um, it's Saturday. So we yeah. already know the Doctor does not like Sundays, but he does like Saturdays. Yeah, and it is no coincidence that Doctor Who airs on Saturdays. So, of course, he loves Saturdays. Gotcha. gotcha. <laughs> See, now I didn't know that. I wouldn't have picked up on that, but okay. Very interesting. Yeah, yeah, but the whole, okay, so they're there, everything's fine, they get in the TARDIS, and boom, all of a sudden, the planet is gone. And they haven't moved. Uh, No. The doctor confirms and reconfirms that they they couldn't, you know, they didn't move anywhere. No, and Um, I like um, the, that image of them, the doctor and Donna, at the door of the TARDIS staring out into space kind of brings you back to the runaway bride, you know, that's sort of yeah, yeah, yeah. reminiscent of where they first began, I think. Well, and, and cause right. Cause they watch like the creation, the creation of the earth, of right. The earth, With yeah. the Rachnos and all of that. Um, yeah, no, you're right. So it's very, very interesting. I didn't quite think of that, but that's, uh, yeah. Huh. So <laughs> you get the, um, well, and and so it, while all of that's happening, you get Donna trying to sort of figure out what it means to have just met Rose. Yeah, she's yeah, like, yeah. Oh, "Oh, so that that was Rose Tyler I I ran into before." And um I like that you know, in sort of the bustle that the doctor's trying to figure out what's going on, you know, after having got this bad wolf message, mm-hmm. um she's the one who reminds him like, "Wait a minute." Rose is coming back. Isn't that a 
good thing. Yeah. And and you get that smile and the yeah. The, the, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that is like, a good yeah, thing. That's that's actually good. Yeah, no, I like that too. Like, you know, yeah, if she can come back, I guess that means that it's bad because, you know, there should be separation between these worlds and the fact that there's not is worrying, but it is Rose and this is like what he's been pining after for a long time now. So you get that acknowledgement that this is worth being excited about as well as, you know, something potentially bad. Yep. Yep. Very cool. So, um, although, yeah, like you said, not cool that like worlds are disappearing and yeah, the dimensions are falling apart. No. Um, and then, and, then it, and of course it's Donna, because again, you think back to the runaway bride that she appears right, you know, she appears yeah. right after he loses Rose. And that's like the first thing that they talk about is, you know, right. Where you, and you, cause she sees like the sweater or yeah, something like where hanging over the you, oh, you, adu- you abduct women. No, that was my friends. And I lost her. And like that whole episode is really Donna, you know, helping him through the immediate loss of Rose, you know? Mm. So yeah, it, Rose, I think the name Rose is significant to Donna. Like, Rose is the great lost companion, you know? Mm. So, yeah, trying to think of what it means that she just met her and reminding the doctor that, you know, uh, you've been missing her and this is a good thing, too. Um, yep, yep. So um, so then his his big idea is to go yes. to the Shadow Proclamation which we heard about back in the first episode. So that's a long time yeah. coming. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he said that right to the Nestine consciousness. Yep. He, yep. he mentions um, what a article, blah, 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 yeah, yeah, blah yeah. the shadow yeah. proclamation. Um, and we talked about how it was sort of, um, you know, just kind of, uh, you know, babble at that point. Like we didn't really know what it yeah. meant. Um, so I guess one question I would have is, do you know, is that, is the whole shadow proclamation thing. And I, I may have even asked this before. Is that a new who yes. thing? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's not like something that's always sort of been around. As no, a... I don't think so. And I think I don't want to suggest that, uh, you know, we won't, that there, every last thing will be tied up and there won't be any continuity or continuation of story threads or mysteries or whatever. But you do know that, the end of the Russell Davies era is approaching. So there is this sense of him wanting to answer questions that he's, you know, at least some of tie up some of the loose ends, you know, so that's something which he introduced. So it sort of makes sense that as we get into the climax of his era, it's like, well, we're finally going to go to the shadow proclamation and see what it is. Sure. Sure. Makes sense. And, and I guess, um, well, I guess the other sort of thing that I was wondering, and I don't, I mean, this may or may not have bearing on future episodes, so whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you can't answer, I understand. But the the other thing I was sort of wondering about is, like, before then, if if the Shadow Proclamation is a new Who thing, you know, I know that, like, the Time Lord sort of acted in certain ways as not not as police, like they call, what does he call them? The posh, outer you know, space, police. Yeah, posh name yeah. for outer space police. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, maybe the Time Lords weren't police, but they did a fair number of policing functions. Yeah, no, <laughs> um, I think 
less so i mean it seems to me that the shadow proclamation is there for sort of criminal activity you know um okay. whereas i think when the time lords intervened which they did i think a couple times in the classic show it was more to do with the, as their role as guardians of the timelines you know so not just any old criminal activity but specifically time related right. you know as like guardians of history you know and mm -hmm. and time and maybe things unfolding in a particular way so yeah. that seems okay. to be more their role whereas the shadow proclamation it seems like when the doctor pulls out the name shadow proclamation it more has to do with just regular old you know violations against intergalactic law so you know you know, it's the nesting consciousness, you know, trying to take over the earth, or it's the adipose violating rules about where they can and can't breed, or here, you know, planets have been stolen. It's more like, you know, regular crime as opposed to crimes against time or history or things like that. Hmm. That to me would be maybe a slight distinction of where the jurisdiction separates. Okay, and and so well, the Shadow Proclamation apparently uses Jadun yeah. as uh, foot soldiers. I don't remember if that was when. So when we saw them last with um, Smith and Jones, mm -hmm. right, uh, yeah. is when is uh, like we got the idea that they were more like mercenary. Yeah, type. like they're like soldiers for hire kind of thing yeah but so but maybe you get the idea that they were employed by the shadow proclamation to go hunt down the the um plasmavore and smith and jones you know it's not said that that's true yeah but again that's another case of intergalactic law being broken and they've been hired to go in and you know, but then what they do doesn't exactly abide by any ethical laws of law enforcement either. So they're slightly renegade as well. Yeah, and you get these, you know, this idea of like, you know, the pr the private armies, you know, the the military companies that like the U.S. uses. And, yeah. Um, you know, just like things like uh uh oh. Jeez, what's like the big one that always is on the news? I can't think of it offhand, but um, yeah, like 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 yeah, they're definitely they're professional soldiers. They're getting paid to be, um, you know, in this uh, you know, in this place as security or yeah. or yeah. whatever. Um, but they're not they're not the shadow proclamation. The shadow proclamation right. is these other beings. Yeah, um, I think that's probably right. And the doctor speaking Jadun <laughs> is great. Yeah. Um, especially when he goes into, like, double time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which... Really, really, right. You only ever hear them speaking it in that really, like, staccato. Whereas yeah, he, the very like, march. right along, yeah. 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 And you have to wonder what he said to them, but. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Like, um. The TARDIS is apparently not translating that, so you have to wonder if maybe there's a reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, maybe I'm not sure. Um. So okay, so like when they're they're at the pro Shadow Proclamation, well, and 
I think that's still the thing that I'm having trouble. Like, is the shadow proclamation, is it, because the word proclamation is something that is said. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's not a thing, yeah. per se. Yeah, it's sort of an ephemeral. I, that's, that's never really clear, I think. Um, and I mean, I think that's deliberate, because I think Davies is generally pretty good with names. You know, that he mm. comes up with really evocative and interesting names generally so i have to take that the fact that he knows that that's not quite what the word means deliberately that there's maybe supposed to be a slight confusion as to what is the organization and what is the declaration that they enforce you know maybe there's like a blur but i don't know what that means and i don't think we ever really find out any more in any more clarity why yeah. why exactly the noun is used in that particular way um yeah right and that's what because like you would think of like the shadow proclamation would be yeah something like yeah like a like the constitution or whatever or, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah 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 like you wouldn't necessarily think of it as a place or a person or a group of people or whatever yeah. it does entail because i'm not i'm still not sure yeah and I, that's the only thing in that I can kind of come up with is that the, the, the body of, you know, enforcers and the thing that they're enforcing are somewhat the same or, you know, that there's, you know, and I don't quite know what to do with that, but that's what it suggests to me. Okay. Um, Um, so they're there at or with the shadow proclamation, whatever the appropriate proposition there is. Um, and, and, they figure out uh, that it's not just Earth, but it's that these other planets. Mm-hmm. And at first it's 24, and then they sort of remember these other ones. Yeah. And um, you get the mention of the Adipose nursery planet. Adipose 3, apparently, yeah. <laughs> is, is the planet name. Very original there. Yeah. Um, Clum is one of the Clum. Uh, <laughs> yeah, one of the planets that gets taken. Yeah. Um and we talked about the lost moon of Poosh. Yes. And uh uh oh jeez, what was the other Pyrovilia. one? Pyrovilia. Yeah. Pyrovilia, yep, yeah. And yeah, uh, right, he also right. mentions um Woman Wept, which was another one that Rose mentioned back somewhere in the first season. She's telling Mickey, you know, we went to this planet called Woman Wept, oh, okay. you know. Um oh, there's another that, evocative but... Another evocative name. So, yeah, like, but I like that they lay in, you you get this trail of lost planets, but you don't realize until this episode that they're all lost for the same reason. Um, yeah, you don't, right. You just think that maybe they got destroyed, you know. Yeah. Even, it, though, it maybe, even though the doctor You know, says, it could have been naturally or, yeah. or whatever. Like, we've seen Earth, you know, get destroyed. Right, right. Um, well, and loss could mean several different things. But even even though the doctor says sure. a couple times, like, lost. What do you mean lost? How do you lose a planet? But he doesn't question it, and so we don't question it until now. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, again, the sense of a number of things... Uh, affecting Earth because of these planets that are lost. Yeah. That's why, right. um, you know, in the fires of Pompeii, mm-hmm. you get these aliens, you know, coming to a new planet. Yeah. And that's why you have the adipose, uh, you know, being reared on Earth yeah. and um, various, various other things. And, um, and it's don't... also why we learn we have the bees disappearing. 
Right. The bees disappear. Which, Isn't that weird? Yeah, yeah that is kind of Which weird. I take as a direct allusion to the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Because in that, right before Earth is going to be destroyed, the dolphins fly off home. Um, sure, You know, sure. to avoid... Because they're aliens. And, you know, fly away to avoid the destruction so of Earth. So long and, and thanks for all the fish. as they're flying, they say th- so long and thanks for all the fish. So, um, my... Uh, my other favorite thing is Donna's uh, saying, you mean the bees are aliens? And he goes, don't be so daft. Not all of them. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Like, that yeah, would that be just, crazy. That was obvious. Yeah. 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 Like, how how dare you suggest such a stupid thing? Not all of them, clearly. Um, yep. So, yeah. So another little trail, a little motif, which turns out to be significant. Mm-hmm. Um. And so all of that, you know, puts together, they're able to trace, I guess, sort of the the location. I, I mean, I, I know it's all sort of like science babble, yes. you know, explanations, but like using that, they get to the Medusa cascade. Yeah, they like follow, they tap into the frequency where the bees felt the wavelength and then they find, you know, whatever the trail is that leads them. To um, the Medusa Cascade, another uh, term we've heard. I don't remember yeah. exactly when and where, but we've heard about that a couple times, I think. Um, right, right. Um, and of course, so just thinking about Medusa Cascade, right, you're thinking more of, uh, you know, the head full of snakes and sort of how they might look cascading down someone's yeah, yeah, yeah. head. Um uh, and obviously in, in sort of a, uh, uh, you know, uh, um, gosh, man, I'm having trouble thinking today, <laughs> whatever. Uh, the other, well, the other thing I was thinking too is, is Medusa is sometimes used as a sort of nihilistic, mm. uh, character in, um, like philosophy and stuff. So, you know, that's an interesting sort of thing. Like you have these planets, you know, disappearing, being destroyed or not being destroyed, but kind of taken out of existence, yeah. you know, in a way. So there's, yeah, there's, there's sort of a, um, you know, there, there's an idea of, uh, you know, of that there. Um, the, the, so sort of the, the, there's a, Jack London book, The Mutiny of the Elsinore, where he sort of refers to this idea of the the Medusa nihilistic sort of point of view. Mm. Um and and Thank- and he writes he's he's sorry, finished and then I'll say what I was gonna say. No, I was just gonna so I was just gonna say he 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 sort of um he's referring to um a remark of a fictional character based on a real person <laughs> um, named uh, Decasaurus. And, and he says the profoundest instinct in man is to war against the truth. That is against the real. He shuns facts from infancy. His life is in a perpetual evasion. Um, miracle chimera and tomorrow keep him alive. Um, so mm-hmm. kind of like this whole idea that it's, you know, um, well, well, he goes on. He lives on fiction and myth, and it's the lie that makes him free. Animals alone are given the privilege of lifting the veil uh, of Isis. Uh, men dare not, blah, blah, blah. And he kind of goes on, like, you know, more about that. But just that idea that it's, it is this sort of fable, right? Yeah. That That is where we 
that that's where we lie right it's it's you know we we sort of want to go against what we actually see and 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 this whole concept of myth but you know i think it's a little darker than maybe mm. doctor who sure <laughs> is saying but sure. i just I, but I thought that was interesting no, that there I, was this i think idea. you should keep i hadn't thought about that with the connection to medusa but as soon as you say that uh i would say keep that stuff in mind for next week and let's come back to that um okay cuz i think the idea of the nihilism might be something we could get a little bit more meat out of next time sure and and i didn't i mean yeah that was just sort of one connection that that made me think of it with it being like like that these planets just kind of no longer exist yes. right that's yeah. sort of that's sort of the idea that's there but hey if there's more to it then uh cool. I, I, look, I i look i'll tell you there is more to that and and i i wouldn't go so far as to say that all is deliberate but it's almost like if it's not deliberate that's the greatest thing ever because actually i think that's gonna have a little bit more resonance next time um hmm. and it almost makes me wish it was deliberate so <laughs> um, and it could be we don't know yeah could be could be um, maybe i will have to do google to see if russell davies is a jack london fan um yeah well and i don't think jack london's the only one who's sort of made that yeah medusa connection but that that just happened to be a convenient quote yeah uh that sort of gave the idea so um uh, actually and i want to before we go on to further in the episode too before we kind of totally leave the shadow proclamation um mm -hmm. there's two things i wanted to point out that happen there the first uh i and this is just as you know this isn't hugely significant but one of my favorite doctor moments is um you know speaking of rebelling against things that moment when they say they're gonna seize the tardis and he's gonna <laughs> lead them into battle and he's like okay i'll just go get you the key and then that smile to donna like yeah we're getting out of here you know so i love that he kind of uses he'll use the authority when he needs it like i don't know what to do so we're going to go to the shadow proclamation but as soon as he figures out what it is he totally discards the authority figures and slips out the back door and we're not going to lead them to any more we're just going to go the two of us you know um mm -hmm. you kind of get that rebellious reckless yeah. anarchic kind well, of thing you know and you have the feeling that they're not going to take too kindly no. to that <laughs> no <laughs> so i no. don't know how um, that'll play out obviously but that seems like it might be something that he'll have to worry about at some point in the future <laughs> but that that's always going to be his position he's never going to like do what the Saratov proclamation tells him like he'll use their name when it's convenient and he'll go mm. to them if he needs something but as soon as he gets the information, we're back off on our own, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think that's kind of a good little doctorish moment. Um, and the other thing I wanted to make sure to bring up is um, Donna's a little bit more of the kind of prophecies surrounding Donna. You know, you get that mm. moment when she's sort of hearing a distant sort of heartbeat and staring off into space, you know, yeah. kind of going into a trance. And then um, one of the sort of albino ladies um you know starts talking to her and says you know the thing about 
she senses there's something on your back. Um, and then she right. says, uh, I'm sorry for your loss. And Donna says, my whole planet's gone. And she says, I mean the loss that is yet to come. So, again, we're getting more and more, you know, nothing. It's not like it's the first time we've heard ominous, you know, prophecies being made. But, you know, just another, just the fact that the, the loss isn't the loss of the planet. The loss is still coming. So. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And And we've heard a number of times you know things like rose saying i'm so sorry and, yeah. and various prophecies or or yeah. hints and allegations and things left unsaid yeah. um around her so yes yeah i i and river song right she yeah she kind of alluded to something bad happening uh as well so we don't we don't know what that is uh, so that's unfortunate. We'll have to wait and see, I suppose. Um, so, yeah. So they get to the Medusa Cascade. Mm-hmm. And boom. They hit a wall. Yeah. Uh, and the doctor goes sort of catatonic. Yeah. Um, no idea what to do next. Donna is sort of freaking out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is going on here? Um. <clears throat> and eventually, well, then like there's a you know long time where we spend with the other characters, yeah. And then we come back, <laughs> yeah. And and in the interim, the other characters have figured out a way to signal the doctor. Yeah, so, yeah. So you know, good on them. Yeah, you know, they, and I think um, I mean, I, do I you have wanna... any sort of thoughts on that before I tell you what I think? <laughs> so thoughts on why the doctor goes catatonic i guess just yeah like that little that little scene where yeah i mean was there anything in particular that you got out of that sequence i guess no just i mean so he goes as far as he can right like following this trail of the bees you know i guess i mean we get the explanation later that that the worlds are like one second out of sync Mm -hmm. with the rest of the universe. So, I mean, again, this is sort of like a pseudoscience, you know, explanation, but you know, he is a time Lord. So it's kind of weird that he doesn't have some way of sort of detecting that sort of thing. Mm. Um, And I, I mean, I honestly, I don't, like part of me was just like, is he going into like a deep mode of thought where he's like, <laughs> is it like his mind palace, right, you know, right, yeah. like where he's trying to figure out something that's going on. But it, it seems blanker yeah. than that. If that makes sense. Like, like it doesn't seem like there's a lot of thought per se going on. But well, and, more... and, and especially once you bring in the connections of the Medusa and the nihilism and the kind of hopelessness of that moment, you know. Sure. Sure. Um, yeah, no, I mean, it is hopeless because he's usually able to save the world and know what to do. And and when he gets in this situation where he, he doesn't know what to do, that's scary. And you get that from Donna, right? It's don't do this to me. Don't, don't, you know, don't do this to me. Not now. Tell me, what are we going to do? You never give up. 
And we've, you know, we've heard things like that before too, that you never give up mm-hmm. or I never give up or, you know, yeah. so it's, you know, it's, it is a moment of crap. Yes. <laughs> you know, what's going on yeah. that would make the doctor become inactive. Yes. Um, and not just inactive, but completely shut down. Yeah. Um, yeah. And doesn't even have any words of, uh, any way to comfort or placate Donna, just mm-hmm. he's, he's got nothing. Um, right. and I guess what kind of then that means to me is that it, it's, I think like a lot of, you know, using, um, we're going to talk more about the other characters soon, but you know, kind of the point of bringing them all together is to show that, you know, that this is the culmination of what we've seen this community of characters build up over the last couple seasons. And that there is an end point to the Doctor's own ability to fix things. And that had it not been for all of these companions who he's, you know, become, you know, built relationships with and taught and nurtured and shown all these things, that that's what gets them out of it is... You know, it's not just the doctor. It's the fact that everybody else is coming, is supporting and coming to his aid. So I kind of like that, that there's, there's a, you kind of get a sense of the the doctor's own limitation, but not really because he's not on his own. He has all of these other people. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And he's not limited as long as they're still out there and they're still working. So... Well, so let's talk about them. Okay. Let's let's talk about the Doctor's secret army, as Harriet Jones calls them. Well, do we want to? Did we want to first do the Davros and Dalek stuff, or should we come back to that later? You know what? Let's talk about the others first, okay. because actually, I think then we can sort of because that happens after they contact yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. That he that he gets into contact with them. Yeah. So I know I'm I'm sort of throwing You're deviating our plan. from the plan. That's all right. Uh, I think confusion. we can handle it. <laughs> um, so, yes. So, I mean, we've got all of these members, right? We have Rose, we have Martha, we have Jack and the Torchwood team. We have yeah. Sarah Jane and her son, uh, Harriet Jones, Will, yeah. Sylvia. Yeah. And um, again, and, this... a, and again, you know, this is <sighs> Russell Davies, you know, this is him starting to, I'm not saying there's not going to be any continuity that we're like, you know, there's not like gonna that none of the characters or plot points are ever gonna come back again. But this is Russell Davies thinking about the end of his era. You know, so this is mm-hmm. this is the last time that he is going to have creative direction of all three of these shows: Doctor Who, Torchwood, and the Sarah Jane Adventures. So it's like if you're gonna do a big honking crossover where everyone is in one place. Now's his time to do it. So again, right. like a little bit of uh, kind of like with Buffy, maybe some behind the scenes reasons why the story is the way it is. But also it's kind of the culmination of, you know, what that means and bringing all of those different, you know, stories together and everything. So anyway. Sure. Sure. So, I mean, I don't know, I guess maybe just kind of run down that list <laughs> like yes. we can talk about them and and then bring in others as they sort of meet or or 
yeah. don't meet <laughs> yeah. um, in various ways. But so like Rose, we have to talk about Rose yeah. first. Yeah. So I, so she just kind of teleports in from wherever yeah. uh, with this BFG, yeah. you know, um, yeah. and, and, and I love that she's just walking down the street with this gun. A huge and gun. There's yeah. like all these people like looting yeah. and running about and yelling and screaming and panicking. And, yeah. and she kind of stops one pair of looters, but you're kind of like, what's the point? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, talk about nihilism. And, what's the point and, of stopping <laughs> these two guys? And you kind of get the idea that she only really stopped them because she wanted to take a look at what was in the news report. So like, she's just looking at the, you know, yeah, she's kind of yeah. shooing them away so that she can read, you know, the, the news and the computer and everything. But right. Um, so, yeah, and then, of course, she sees the big Dalek ship come, yeah. like, over the building and, and whatever and, and all that going on. Um, and, of course, I mean, she's very familiar with the Daleks. Yes. So, like, you know, she knows what's going on just based on that. Yeah. Um, having and, having participated in their destruction twice, <laughs> she yeah, is right. quite familiar exactly. with them. Yeah. Exactly. Um the so from there i mean it kind of jumps around but then like the next time we see her she's saving wilf and sylvia yeah from a dalek um apparently the gun works this is a gun that works on Daleks. yes yes <laughs> um, that seems to be as, the point as, of it yeah 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 uh as is the one that jack has although they're somewhat different yeah um so i'm not sure like well, we know Jack and Torchwood have their like little vault of gifts. Yeah, their little you know, that, stash of alien weapons and everything. Their little secret stuff, yeah. yeah. Um but anyway, so um I mean Rose seems to be have been actively seeking them out though, Wolf and Sylvia. Yeah. Um, like 'cause she asked, you're Donna Noble's family, right? Yeah. So like she was clearly, it seems, looking for them in an attempt to uh find the doctor so interesting then that she seems to remember the stuff that happened in the alternate world mm. yeah i would i would guess otherwise how would she even know about donna right. or be looking for right her family right um but i don't i mean yeah, I'm not and it, I, I think they kind of this continues to be something like a, a trope that they use that being a um you know the the first time i think they really use it is um in last of the time lords when the timeline gets rewritten but the people inside the valiant remember so there's mm. there's kind of always this idea that if you're you know a time traveler or at the eye of the storm as they say or in a sort of more privileged position you are able to remember things that aren't other people aren't so yeah. Rose's status as this time traveler and as someone who was involved more intimately in the story than just like your average person has, you know, kind of like, even though it fades for Donna, you, you still get that little lingering bit of memory. Um, right. So it seems right. like Rose, and I think that's, that's something which they, you know, will use again, I'm pretty sure. Um, like sure. The, as a sure. time traveler, like time travelers have more uh, privileged ability to remember various alternate timelines and things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, 
So, um, I like that, you know, they seem to accept her for, well, Wilf, Wilf does, I guess, Sylvia, Sylvia at first is like, what are you talking about? Um, And uh, so, well, and maybe we should just talk about them real quick, too, because I love that Wolf tries to attack a Dalek with a paint gun. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently that was that was um, Bernard Cribbins, the actor's idea. And Russell was yeah. like, that's wonderful. I'm going to put that in. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's like, no, if I blind him, then he won't see me. And the yeah. Dalek's just like, you it, did not impair my envision. It burns it right off. And it reminds me of the doctor's water pistol a little bit. Like... You know, these, like, creative, nonviolent means of resistance, you know, like... Sure. Like, Rose has her just huge-ass gun, and Wilf just has his little paintball. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, But, yeah, I mean, that's... You know, it doesn't work. No. Rose comes and blows the head off, though, so that's cool. They get saved. Um, And go back to their house, and (laughs) Rose... um, trying trying to figure out what to do right she can't um get a hold of the doctor and and yeah. tries using um the phone you know to call donna's phone or whatever and uh and then the laptop comes on mm. and we can talk about that whole thing with all the others but yeah. i like that I mean, I don't like it because, like, it would have been nice if she had been able to, like, talk to them all. But yeah. <laughs> I like that she's kind of excluded yeah. because because Sylvia wouldn't let Wolf get a webcam yeah, because they're, they're naughty. naughty. Yeah. <laughs> she said they're naughty. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, I like, <laughs> and it's their, like their little commentary in the back of the room, like, yeah. and, and we might as well just finish up with them, too, because the other moment like that is Harriet's noble... <laughs> self-sacrifice and Wolf says marvelous woman I voted for her and Sylvia goes you did not and he looks like <laughs> yeah. you can tell from his face he didn't you know like that right. she's caught him out you know and right, he's kind right. of didn't realize that she knew that <laughs> so yep. yeah I like they have a nice little comedic you know yep. banter in the background yep um and uh but but I like the whole so when they're you know, without talking about the actual conversation that's going on the laptop, like you get roses, like, you know, uh, 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 armchair quarterbacking. Yeah. Right. Like you get the, the whole, uh, you know, Oh, there's a, there's a fourth member. It's me. It's me. Oh no, it's not. It's Martha. Like, wait, well, who's she like, and, and again, you get the sense of, Oh yeah, you forget that. Like there's, these people don't all have the same knowledge of each other. Yeah. Right. So yeah, Rose would have absolutely no, she's met Donna, but only just recently. Yeah. She never met Martha. Right. Um, she met Jack, obviously there was, you know, several adventures with him. Yeah. Um, never met Sarah Jane. Never. Well, she did. She met she Sarah met Jane. Harriet. Yeah. Oh, she did. She did in school reunion. Oh, right, right, right. That was Rose. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, I was thinking but like, Martha. Martha and but, Harriet never... Yeah, but, like, yeah. I mean, your point being, they don't all right. know They're, each other. Yeah. Together, there's several connections that yeah. have never been made. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, the... Uh, so, yeah. So, I just, like... Like, one, like, her jealousy at not being yeah. the former companion of the Doctor. It's like, well, I was the former companion yeah. of the Doctor. I was the and, first former and just, companion of the Doctor, yeah. Yeah, which of course isn't even true either, but no. you know, like 
like no really that's Sarah Jane and lots of other people but like yeah you yeah, get that yeah yeah and and Rose always is has that you know I, people who don't like Rose tend to hold this against her but Rose is always gonna be a little bit proprietorial right like she's always gonna you know think of the doctor as her doctor you know sure um sure. which is I think true to the character and like you I kind of like that there's that little because we've had so much of Rose being the premier companion and, and Martha in the second place. But here, Martha's actually way more connected than Rose is. You know, Rose has been gone for a lot longer. And you get that little reversed sense of, you know, her having been out of it for longer. Right, um, right. Yeah, and and it seems like, well, I mean, it has been a couple years, like in the show or whatever. Yeah. But it seems like... Rose's timeline maybe went even a little faster. Like sure, maybe yeah, it's been yeah. more time for her. I think than... it did. I think that's in the story. Like, okay. Cause, cause I... definitely for Mickey, it went faster. And I right. think we even find out that Rose is further ahead. Like it's been longer for her than it has okay. for, for these I guys. I couldn't read. I, I was remembering Mickey was definitely longer, you know, between the, you know, times yeah. that he shows up, but I couldn't remember. I didn't, re I sort of got that sense yeah. with Rose, but I couldn't remember if they actually said that. And I think um, they, if they haven't yet, they will in the next episode. So, okay. Um, so I, you know, there's, there's a very interesting aspect to that. Yeah. Of, of Rose being the one who's excluded and, and yeah, like you said, like she, she's sort of like, you know, at least for new who she's, she's the epitome of the yeah. companion, yeah. you know, like, so very interesting that, yeah. that she gets left out and that none of them seem to notice or miss her. Even right. the ones who have met her, right. You right. know, don't really see that it's out of place that she's not there. Yeah. Um, Except the doctor for the does. doctor. Yeah, of course. No, yeah. the doctor does yeah. when he eventually comes, but, um, right, it's, right. You don't have Jack saying, I mean, expecting yeah. her to be there or, or Jack Harriet. Or Harriet. Yeah, yeah. Or again, Sarah Jane. So, yeah. you know, um, just a very interesting sort of, you, you know, uh, uh, outsiders look in on that. Mm -hmm. um, and then when they all start, you know, kind of hook their phones together and start calling the doctor and whatever, like she you know, holds hers up as well and kind of, so you get that sort of solidarity, but again, without, they have no idea that she's joining yeah, in yeah. in any way. So, you know, is there, is there something to that? Maybe, I don't know. Maybe she gave it just that little extra boost. Well, and you know, it, it that, is kind of they, the way the editing works. It kind of implies that a little bit because, yeah. because it's when Rose calls that the doctor, it's, it cuts to the doctor and he says, got it, you know? So you kind of have to wonder, you know, I mean, did she give it that little extra push that it needed? Yeah. You know, it yeah. just suggests that. Like, it kind well, of and, puts her in that first position, you know? Um, the other thing that I thought was interesting is, so you get, you get this explanation of the software, right, um, that sort of seeks out the doctor's companions and compatriots or mm -hmm. whatever. Um, so, but all of the, all of the computers, you know, so Harriet's in her own home, Martha's in her mother's home. Um, Jack's at Torchwood. Martha is in, um, uh, sorry, not Martha. Sarah Jane is mm -hmm. in, you know, her home with Mr. Smith and all of that. So like, like you get these, uh, 
you know, all of these people sort of in places where you would expect them to be. Yeah. Except Rose. Yeah. So, but she's in Donna's home. Right. So, so you have to wonder, so, is it seeking out Rose or is it seeking out Donna? Exactly. Yeah. That was where I was going yeah. with that. So, yeah, it's it's an interesting question. Like, you know, again, is it is it that the software knew that Rose was there? Right, and right. so it's pulling her in as a former companion. Or was it like it just a happy coincidence? Yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. So, um, yeah. And, you know, I mean, who knows? And maybe it's not that big a deal, but I just thought that was interesting. Yeah. Given like the other stuff where they're sort of ignoring or not. Yeah. I mean, they just don't know that she's there. No, but like um, Rose is sort of, even if they don't realize it, she is sort of notably absent in, in the group, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, on the other hand, okay. I mean, Jack and Martha both would have known that Rose was in an alternate, yeah. you know, universe. So I don't know that Harriet and Sarah Jane would have known that, right, but, right. but you know, if it occurred to either Jack or Martha to think about Rose, they would have said, well, there's no way to contact her anyway. Right. So, right. you right. know, yeah. It's and not... I think that's kind of what, you know, I wouldn't expect Jack or anybody to be looking because if they know about it, they know that she's trapped. So right, they wouldn't right, really right. expect her to be there. So you can't like necess- you can't blame them for not thinking of it yeah. either. So, yeah. you know, that's not any part of it. But um, the other thing that I wanted to sort of point out is um, we get an interesting moment. So we've seen Rose sort of teleport in and out of places. Yeah. But but when she leaves the noble household, She's talking yes. to control. Yeah. I think she says like, like you get this idea that there's someone else helping her do something, yeah. you know, to yeah. move around. Yeah. Like yeah, it's yeah. not all just her. So that's interesting too, because I mean, you can guess it's Mickey, maybe uh, Pete, you know, right. other, other people in the other dimension, but we don't really know at this point yeah. what's going on to help her sort of get from one place to the other. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, but that is a good point. Like she's not using like a bracelet like Jack is that she, she's teleporting via some control and, and like, you know, other people are helping her do that. Um, yeah. And, yeah. and presumably and she's in contact. And with presumably, them. you know, I think the suggestion is that it's back from her own, her own timeline or her own universe right. that, yeah, that would be the implication. Yeah. I, I would, that's at least that's what I got out of it. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Um, we should probably talk about like some of the others other people. <laughs> now too, because we're getting down to the wire here. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, I had Martha next on my list, so why not? Why not um, indeed? She's in New York with <laughs> unit. Yeah. Um, she obviously can't contact the doctor either. And, and there's this whole, I, I wasn't, maybe the, we'll get more about it. I wasn't really clear on the whole significance of the project Indigo thing. Like, okay. It like we get Jack's explanation. It's a, Santar and technology and helps her teleport. Okay, that's fine. Um, and she just goes teleports home. Yeah, <laughs> like it's not like it's what you'd expect Martha to do. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I don't think it becomes. I I will mention. I I think I will point out that take note of the uh, 
amount of MacGuffins in these story in this episode. You know, the like mm-hmm. the random the Osterhagen key, the, and... in, the Project Indigo, the the Subwave Network, the Osterhagen key. You know, all these various like bits of technology which are coming out of the woodwork. You know, because um, mm-hmm. I think we can talk a little bit more about that next time. But I don't think Indigo has any significance other than as a means for Martha to get around, you know, but, you know, and, but it has this added element of danger and that it's, it's untested and everything. But, um, I don't think that has a lot of resonance other than as a, it it is a MacGuffin. It's her, it's her way of, you know, everyone needs a way to teleport around. So that's hers, you know? (laughs) Um, but the Osterhagen key, um, we will learn more. Is not I mean, to we be still used. don't know what it is. We're going to find yes. out next time what it is. It's very bad or very important or something. Like, it, we get the command. Yeah. You know, um, the commander gives her whatever superior at unit yeah. gives it to her, presumably for safekeeping. And Harriet Jones knows what it is. Yeah. But she, she sort of orders it not to be used. And not only safekeeping, but I think he even suggests that um for the good of the human race, I'm giving this to you like it is something which he kind of hints she should use, and it's Harriet that says, Don't use it. Um mm. so what it is that it does, you know, we'll yeah. find out more about that next time. Yeah. Um so and anything else about Martha? I mean uh no, I don't I don't think there's a okay. whole lot else. Um so moving on to Jack. Jack. And Yanto and Gwen. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of nice to see the Torchwood team even though I've mentioned Torchwood isn't my favorite show or anything. No, but, no, um, mine either. Um but um I do like sort of the characters and it was nice to see them sort of in this context of yeah. Uh, uh, you know, Doctor Who. Um, so they're in their Cardiff, you know, headquarters and they're, uh, they, they like figure out sort of the technical aspects, right? As you would expect there, it's, there's, there's an artificial shell holding, you know, the atmosphere in and we kind of get the, the, again, more pseudoscientific yeah. explanations. And uh, yeah. And, and that's not going away anytime um, soon. So I'm sure that's not a surprise. <laughs> oh yeah. No, no, no. I, I, when I say that, I'm not necessarily, you know, criticizing it. I just, yeah. you know, it's again, it's more, you know, because you do. Otherwise, you would have that question. Well, how come the air is not all escaping? Yeah, or, yeah. Or, or Donna says they've lost the sun. So how are they still alive? And all these things like, <clears throat> right, well, right. yeah, they have artificial um, means of keeping <clears throat> them alive. But and, and again, already having mentioned that Jack's the one who explains the provenance of the Project Indigo mm-hmm. that he's not supposed to know. No, but of course, he met a guy being, in a bar. Being Torchwood, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He met a guy, and Yanto is jealous yes, because yes. they are now lovers, and yeah. all of that. I forgot that plot point actually. Yeah, um, until yeah. The, until you kind of get that that little bit of jealousy there. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, uh, but the utter, um, y- you know, dismay again at at hearing the exterminate, exterminate, exterminate you get from yeah. Jack, uh, y- you know, just the, we're, we're all dead. There's nothing I can do. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. He says, yes. And, yeah. Uh, Very doctor's uh, fashion. Yeah. Um, 
but then leaves mm-hmm. when when the doctor you know appears on the screen leaves to go find him um and there's that interesting moment of the i'll come back i'm coming back yeah uh which you know i guess would go back to reference the fact that he he just left after torchwood season one and went yeah to find the doctor and be with him and uh didn't come back right away and that's that's sort of a sore point um with gwen yeah. especially in torchwood uh that, that yeah yeah you get the way he says it you get that he knows that she doesn't quite believe him you know yeah right exactly and both of them they both just kind of look at him like okay yeah whatever you know go do what you have to do yeah um and then uh, you kind of i didn't really pick up on it the first time but they know that the Daleks have located Torchwood, but they don't really tell Jack that because otherwise he might not want to leave mm. them, you know, We're, but they kind of, you get a moment of them acknowledging to each other they're here, but then they just let Jack go and then the Daleks attack. So you kind okay. of get that, them not wanting to reveal that, you know, otherwise he might feel, you know, like he, he has a duty to stay. So, yeah. That's I didn't pick up on that, so that's huh. Um, the uh, so of course then Jack leaves to go find the doctor, and they grab a pair of guns, mm-hmm. and again you get like Yanto saying, "But they don't work against yeah. the Daleks," and Gwen is just like, "You know what? I'm going out fighting." Who cares? <laughs> yeah, um, like Owen and Tosh, they're they're compatriots who died in previous you know Torchwood episodes, but. Um, you know, this, this, yeah, this idea of we have to do something, you know, we can't just not do nothing. Yeah. Um, so, you know, good for them, although I fear for their lives. (laughs) Um, and yeah, so yeah, you have this, well, you have this whole setup with them, um, and with Sarah Jane, uh, you know, and, the the Daleks are coming yeah, right at yeah. the end. She um, actually leaves the house and goes uh, speeding off into the night to try to find the doctor as well. Um, leaves her son at home under the uh, the watchful uh, tutelage, eye of... <laughs> I guess, of yeah, Mister Smith, yeah. the computer. Um, <laughs> and she like r- almost runs into the or does she actually hit the one of the Daleks or something? Like uh, it, I don't think know, she hits them, but yeah, like. She like ends screeches up. to a yep, halt, yep. Um, and they, you know, turn around and are like, "We do not accept your apology. You're <laughs> doing nothing to us." Um, so, yeah, you know, again, we get this cliffhanger of, "Will she die? Will she be okay?" And yeah, all of that. Um, and then the one who brings them all together is Harriet Jones. Mm. Uh, so Former again, Prime yeah. Minister. Yeah, former prime minister. Sorry, forgot that part. <laughs> I know who she is. Yeah. Um, you know the 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 subwave network. Uh, she created or caused to be created, or yeah, she or says um, the Mister Copper Foundation, who was the old man in uh, Voyage of the Damned, that he created it uh, and she developed it. So, what exactly that relationship means, I'm not sure. But in any case. You know, she's been, since uh, the doctor deposed her, she's been working on what to do when and if 
the worst happens and sure enough it did um and that was she says her prediction was that someday you know something like this is going to happen and we're not going to have any idea where the doctor is and i'm not going to sit around and wait for that so um good for her good thing um, yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, Mr. Copper being the one who survived, yes, right? Yes, from the yeah, like the, and, and he, he had, gets rich and yeah, right. He's like, oh, is a million dollars enough? Yes, <laughs> or however much he had. I yeah, don't know. Yeah. It was a million pounds, I guess. Yeah, um, not dollars. What am I thinking? Uh, <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, very, very interesting there to uh, to have that uh, ability to connect everyone. Um, and you wonder, because, I mean, the doctor has, you know, also affected other people. So, you know, are there other people out there that potentially could have been contacted by the subwave network? Sure, sure. Um, like Elton or someone. That would be cool. But anyway, we don't see him. So I guess. <laughs> um, and yeah. And so, again, she orders Martha not to use this Osterhagen key, but we don't yeah. know what it is. So. Apparently, it there's some danger or something to using it. Um, I that's sort of the impression I got. Mm-hmm. I don't know what exactly though. Um, yeah, and uh, gets them all in order to call the doctor and gives herself up uh, for the pursuit. You know, the Daleks find the signal, trace it to her house and kill her, yep. presumably. She gets I mean, exterminated. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't happen on screen, but it. I, I will spoil the surprise and say she doesn't secretly survive off camera. Yeah. It's, it, that's, right. That's the end of Harriet Jones. So. And that's that's the very heavy implication, of course. Yeah. Um, so Harriet yeah, and Jones... Again, Bringing, former human you know bringing it back to the christmas invasion this time of you know a plot point you know way back at the beginning of the 10th doctor story that um continues to have ripple effects so it's nice closure for that harriet jones character i think mm. yeah yeah definitely um so okay so the Daleks are menacing everyone. Yes, we should talk are. about them in the last few minutes here. Okay. Uh, we might go over yeah, maybe okay. a little bit. <laughs> um, so they have a message for the human race, which is <laughs> exterminate, exterminate, exterminate. Uh, freaks everyone out. Yeah, yeah. Um, rightfully so, I guess. Um, they keep talking about this crucible mm. thing, which I don't know what it is. No. Nope. So... Um, it's 90% done apparently okay, or charged or something. I forget exactly. It's there's something about 90% related to the crucible. Yeah. Um, they're also, uh, rounding up humans for harvest. I think that's, they're kind of connected. They say that the human harvest will commence soon. The crucible will be complete. So whatever the right, crucible, right, right. it has something to do with them needing people. So. Where have we heard the harvest before? <laughs> All right. Um, and so so there's a Supreme Dalek yes. now, um, which is different than the Dalek Emperor who we saw before. Uh-huh. Uh, obviously, I mean, he's dead. So, But I mean, like, 
Okay, so there's a Supreme Dalek, and then there's Dalek Khan. Dalek Khan, who's, I think, who, more interesting than the Supreme Dalek, personally, but... Sure, I'm just noting that there's a Dalek that they gave a title to. Yes. Um, you know, the Supreme Dalek. And then, so yeah, so Dalek Khan is insane. Yeah. Um, and he's, um, you know, uh, I guess, I guess we now learn where the, uh, where he went on this, uh, emergency temporal shift. Yeah. Uh, that happened. Yeah. And I kind of said uh, what before couple seasons that ago. the next time we found out it would be a slightly more unusual Result. You know, he doesn't just teleport into another time period. He actually makes it into the time war and back mm-hmm. out, which we get uh, some time war mythology in this, ep- you know, fair chunk of it compared to how much we've gotten before. Um, where yeah. that we find out that that should have been impossible because the time war is time locked. So, right. you know, the mechanics of that are a little bit unclear, but you get the impression to me is that uh, we have wondered, you know, this is a war being fought by time travelers. So, you know, how, you know, could the doctor go back in and change it? Could people leave it? All these things. But I think the time lock implies you shouldn't be able to get in or get out that, you know, Um, and I think, I don't know if it's ever in the show or, if it's an extra material, it's almost like you get the idea that there's so much time damage going on in the time war that it just sort of happens naturally. Like it sort of seals itself off. Like, okay. Uh, you know, I don't know. That's the impression I've always had is like, it's, so it's not even like someone came along and like, and locked it, locked it with a key kind of thing that I guess it could be that. I just don't think we ever hear that for sure. So, in the absence okay. of that evidence, it kind of suggests to me that it's, you know, more of a naturally occurring thing. But I suppose somebody could have deliberately put a lock, you know, and said, you know, this is so destructive that we're just yeah. going to seal it off. Presumably the doctor might be someone who did that. Could be. Yeah. But we don't know. Um, okay. So... So he, we, it should be impossible. It clearly isn't it's since not, he right. did it. Um, but there's a price, mm. and the price is apparently your mind. Yeah. Um, because he has gone insane. Yes. Um, and, and 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 sort of like Drusilla insane. Yeah. Because he also yeah. seems to have like a. a predictive. I was totally thinking about her because, like her, he does speak in riddles and prophecy and everything um and we even wondered back in uh the evolution of the daleks whether the cult of scaro were a little bit unusual anyway you know because Mm. we kind of noticed they had names they had more creative independent thought and they had kind of the ability to disobey their orders so Mm. it's sort of like dalek khan was already a little bit unusual and now he's, you know, Very looked, he's looked into the vortex. He's like the master. He's gone insane, you know, and, you know, come out the other side. So, uh, yeah, we get a bunch of things, some of which we 
get kind of answers to like he's you know the children of time are moving against us you know that's seems to be the doctor's companions um mm. he calls the doctor the dark lord the dark lord has come you know so some of them you can kind of get what it is he's referring to and some of them less so um you yeah. know we get well, another like the... we get another ominous prophecy about everlasting death for the most faithful companion um and he also talks about um you know in his kind of he is coming mentions he says he is coming the threefold man um which is mm. maybe less clear what that refers to sure so um just something to keep in mind kind of like the predictions in in the fires of pompeii or the, the sure sure readings or whatever like yeah yeah like you said some of them we we understand some of them we know and some of them we we haven't yet seen their significance so yeah um and then there's the reveal of this new new old guy yes (laughs) davros davros um who apparently created the daleks yes yeah Uh, so he's a sorry go ahead no my question was was he the original creator or is he like the creator of this new race only i wasn't entirely clear i'm pretty sure he's the original creator he's definitely a classic villain um okay and he kind of featured in uh so sarah jane has met him and it's crazy because it's yeah i got that impression it's so weird for that actress you know to have to to be back with davros like 35 years later or something but um uh so she was when she was a companion she was in the first story with Davros, which was called Genesis of the Daleks in 1975. Um, okay. And it kind of featured a plot where the Time Lords, the, the plot hinges on the Time Lords sending the Doctor and Sarah Jane back to when Davros created them to see if they can prevent the creation in the first place. Um, okay. So, you know, this isn't Clearly the first time. Clearly they did not. Clearly they did not. So, uh, you know, so, and it's kind of the beginning of, you know, the Doctor, I think, kind of philosophizes over whether he has, you know, it's kind of the classic, if you could kill Hitler when he was a child, yeah, would yeah. you, you know, and is that ethically, you know, so it's kind of the beginning of um, this question of the Doctor as, you know, what uh, what his moral right is to you know kill the monsters and wipe out the daleks you know yeah. and and it's, it's, it's sort of a or... it's sort of a prefiguring of the time war in a way you know um and him starting it's kind of the first hints of where that ended up going so mm. um but on wikipedia it says about davros that uh his relationship with his creations was always tense he was frequently hunted, maligned, or otherwise denigrated by some portion of the overall da- Dalek population. So, you know, you kind of get the idea that he's kind of the leader, but maybe not in total c- control of his creations. Um, mm. So, uh, worth keeping in mind, I think. Well, and, and it's interesting that he um, appears to really like this Dalek Khan guy. Yeah. <laughs> like he, yeah. he, he, he kind of gives the Supreme Dalek and the rest of them a little, a little crap for, 
you know, not listening and, and, you know, he's saying, Oh, yeah. you know, this, this Dalai Khan, he, he kind of called it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, again, with more <clears throat> time war stuff too, you also get hints of the parts that they played that, uh, the doctor thought that Davros had died. Um, and he says, I saw your ship fly into the jaws of the nightmare child. Another one of those great Davies evocative names. I just love that name, the nightmare child. I always just wonder, mm -hmm. you know, that I'm not quite sure what images that conjures up, but it's, yeah, a, what great, is that? it's a great name. Exactly. Um, so, you know. And, and that he tried to save and him. And that he tried to save him. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, in the first year of the time war. Mm. So apparently this time war lasted some time. Some time. Um, yes. 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 Uh, yeah. Very interesting. And I want to know more. <laughs> yeah. Um, so. That being said, we come now to. Well, any final things on like the Davros and the Daleks and um, I um, think that's everything I wanted to mention at this point. Okay, so now we come to the very alliterative reunion and regeneration. Mm -hmm. um, the you know the Doctor. Okay, him, him and Donna get to this street. Um, uh, what were they going for exactly? Were they just? I can't even remember where where they were heading or where. I don't what think they were... we even really know. Okay. Um, um, but they're out in the street and they're just kind of seeing the destruction of, you know, what the Daleks have done, and and the Doctor is trying to get Donna to remember what Rose said to her, and she says, "Well, why don't you ask her yourself?" <laughs> and turns around and see there's Rose standing and, and we get the, yeah. the run Aww, towards each yeah. other and the joy. And then the dollar of course. Who shoots yeah. the doctor. Yeah. Um, and then you, and and then you I, go, Oh yeah, of course that was going to happen. <laughs> yeah. But I do have to say, yeah. I mean, when you see the Dalek, you, I don't know. Cause I mean, there was the Dalek there in front of Wilf and Sylvia, and Rose appeared out of nowhere. Right, and right, we, right. And we knew that Jack was coming. Yeah, too. yeah, so there is so, that. You... So there is that moment of, is is Jack going to appear and save them? Or, you know, I mean, Rose has a yeah. big gun, too. She could have dove and maybe shot at it or yeah. something. Or, you know, the doctor could have at least, when, it, when he saw it, maybe rolled or something. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, like, there were... There were enough plausible ways to get out of it that that you weren't sure or even I wasn't sure that necessarily the Dalek was going to shoot the doctor. He might have shot Donna or he or might Rose have shot Rose or, whatever. Yeah, or yeah. you know, I mean, like there were several possibilities there of what mm -hmm. could have happened. Mm -hmm. So definitely, you know, was not a good thing. Um, no. You see the typical. uh lighting up of like the skeleton and you know like uh when the doctor gets shot like when when oh like Dalek that skeleton people. effect yeah, yeah 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 you see the skeleton and and that but um the shot goes through him 
uh, which I think is interesting. I it goes think it's completely... supposed to be. I it's never really been totally clear. I, maybe they didn't make this as clear as it could have been. Rose kind of says like it missed you, which clearly it didn't. But like I think the idea is supposed to be that it's like almost a graze. Like it like it doesn't. It's it's okay. not like it kills him stone dead. It's like uh, you know enough to trigger the regeneration, but not to like you know, totally just kill him flat. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't pick up on that aspect of it, but... Um, and so I think um, it's supposed to be, like, almost, like, it's not so much that it goes through him as, like, it hits him, but just, you know, like, it's like he almost missed it and didn't. Mm. I think that's what we're meant to be, but it, it's not... I mean, it's either, not way. either way. Either way. Either way, it it hits him, <laughs> yeah. and he goes down, and sadness ensues yes um and and so jack appears does destroy the dalek a few seconds too late late. um yeah and gets them all to go into the tardis where they're safe at least Mm -hmm. presumably and so they're in there and they you know it's funny that jack who was not around for the previous regeneration Mm -hmm. um I mean, he was around. He just wasn't there. Yeah. Like, he, he was off being killed by Daleks, his own self. Yes. Um, yeah. And, uh, uh, but he has to remind Rose of what happens in this situation. And I just love that moment where Donna's, like, freaking out, like, what, what's yeah, happening? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because she does not know. No. Um, she's, she's. Yeah, I mean, even though she's been with the doctor for a while now, she doesn't really have any concept of what the regeneration is or what's going to happen. Um, and you get Rose's explanation. No, and you kind of get the idea that, like, Rose and Donna are both freaking out for different reasons. Like, for Donna, this is yeah. the doctor's dying. For Rose, right. it's the doctor's changing, you know? And both are sort of horrific ideas. Yeah. Yeah, right. And even though Rose has been through it before and kind of knows what to expect now, um, I think, you know, it's still, I mean, it's still scary because you don't know what's going to come next. Hey, the Ninth Doctor, you know, this is dodgy. You never know what you're going to get, you know? So it doesn't make it any easier. Yeah. Um, And, uh... And and you just get those last moments of the doctor saying, I'm regenerating and Cut to black. Boom, cut <laughs> yeah. to black. Yeah, well cut to to be, conti- to be continued. Cut to we're not even giving you a trailer. <laughs> That's how yeah. much of a clip yeah, yeah. this is. Um, um and I will mention that uh this cliffhanger made the evening news in the UK. That's how Big of really? a deal it became, you know, it, that's how popular the show was and is that, um, yeah, pretty much it aired. And then that night on the news, they're talking about, oh, my God, the doctor's regenerating. <laughs> hmm. So just a yeah. nice little well, insight into the cultural impact of the show. And and I'll just say a few things that I, I said to you already, but just sort of acknowledge them. Um here in the podcast so one i mean i sort of have called out a, you know a couple of times already that you know i know that at some point here we're getting a new doctor yeah. um coming up 
Um, I did not know when this was happening. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, I knew, I mean, we, again, you know, it's like the angel thing. We know that there's going to be a spinoff. So we know certain things sort of have to yeah. happen. Um, right, but you don't know with this, when or in I knew, what context. And... I knew that we were coming up on the end of the Davies era, yeah. like you mentioned. We're coming up on the end of this fourth series. Mm-hmm. Um, Seems we've, to be we've got, leading towards... We've got things, all these yeah. portents about Donna, too. So, you know, sort of seems like there's maybe a couple different things. And we've had but portents I also, about the Doctor, too. Remember, your song, we've had, your song must end soon. Yes, stuff your like song that. must end soon. Um, and And so we've had... But I also know that there's a number of specials that happen after the fourth season. So if I had been someone to wager money uh, on on what exactly would happen, my guess would have been that it was going to happen during one of the specials or maybe right at the end of the season four series finale, like, uh, you know, happened at the end of series one. Right. Yeah. Um, It was like in the last minute or two right like it it was just right there and you get this you know you get david tennant at the end smiling right after you just saw christopher eccleston like it's not um i was not expecting it this episode that's the long way of saying that (laughs) um this this again took me by surprise (laughs) um i think i mentioned that i was surprised before when when it was regeneration because i wasn't expecting it um to be only a one season ninth doctor Yeah. Um, yeah yeah And and so once again, I'm surprised because even though I knew it was sort of coming, I would have not. And I guess technically he hasn't regenerated yet. So I could sort of get by and say, well, it happens in the series finale, mm-hmm. but it's already happening. So I guess I sort of on a technicality lost that one. <laughs> uh, so anyway, that's just to acknowledge that. But also had I guessed I would not have guessed that like Rose and Jack would have been present. Yeah. Um, you know, that Rose especially would have been present again for another regeneration. Um, that would not have been uh, anywhere in my line of sight. Uh, so very, very interesting setup, very um, frustrating. And, and um, you know, like I said before, I didn't want to wait. So I asked to record this early. Yeah. So I'm going to go watch that later. Yeah, I'm going to be getting texts <laughs> in like a couple minutes pretty much when we start. Yeah. Um, so anyway, that's that. I, I look forward to seeing where we go. I mean, obviously I know the actor who plays the next doctor. So the look, um, well, I mean, I don't know everything about him. So I guess, you know, whatever, but uh, you know, I sort of know what he looks like in his face anyway, but like, it'll be interesting yeah. to see. I don't know anything really about how he plays him or, or any of that or, or how the rest of the story will shape up, of course. So very okay. interesting. Any, any predictions for the, for the finale? Well, uh, want to lay any bets down or, and if not, that's okay. I know I hate being, no, I mean, so I always, I mean, I mean, you can't ignore, like we just talked about, all these portents about Donna. So what's going to happen? It seems like maybe something's going to happen pretty soon. Again, is it going to happen in the finale? I don't know. I mean, we have all these other people around. So, like, it almost seems like it's more likely to happen when you have Rose and Jack and the rest, you know, to sort of be there for the doctor, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, um, you know, again, so in the 
I only have the other regeneration, you know, from nine to 10 to compare. So in that one, the doctor sort of faints and the TARDIS goes wild and they end up back in London. Right. Right. right? But now that was sort of after crisis, right. Mm. Or, or between crises, I guess, because then immediately you have the Christmas invasion stuff going on. Right. So, um, right. This is sort of in the middle of crisis. This is, yeah, this is in the middle of crisis. So it'll be interesting to see, can the doctor, I mean, of course, part of the reason why he, he, fainted or whatever you know why he needed so much rest was because he imbibed all of that tardis vortex stuff yeah, right from yeah, yeah. rose mm-hmm. so so you know he doesn't have that this time this time he was merely shot by a dalek i don't know if that will make it maybe a little easier to sort of deal with from a physiological standpoint but I don't have anything to base that on. So I don't, I just don't know. Okay. No, that's a long way of saying no, no. I mean, somehow <laughs> the Daleks and Davros will be defeated, I suspect. But, you know, other than that, hey, I may even be wrong. On <laughs> so anyway, All right. not a lot. But on the other hand, we do have the two part season finale. For doctor, or for doctor, for Buffy coming. We up. do, we do. So, any predictions on that? To uh, turn the question back around. Well, I'm gonna say that the master's gonna try to arise somewhere around graduation day. The who? The master. Damn it, the mayor. The mayor. <laughs> I'm never gonna get that right. Never gonna get that right. Um. Yeah. 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 Uh. Well, yeah, and the so I the mean, two part finale. I still finale, feel like I know what that means, so I'm just intrigued to see what arising the, looks like. <laughs> the, the finale is titled "Graduation Day Part, part One, one and, and Graduation yeah, Day yeah. Part yeah. Two. So, so I think you I think your suspicions. Yeah, <laughs> may, I think he's going to arise, though. and they're going to stop him and then graduate. That's why I don't know. Okay. Whether I don't All even right. know whether I have those sequence of events correct or not. Sure, so, sure. Um, yeah, I'm mostly just looking forward to seeing what arising means and what it looks like. Sure. Um, ascending, yeah. Ascending, arising, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The ascension. That's right. I don't know. The the arising master. No way. The arising. The ascending. <laughs> yeah. the ascending uh, mayor. You know what I mean. I do. Okay. Um, Good. Well, there we go. Now we have them recorded. Now that we everyone knows definitively not made any predictions, really. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well. Okay. It's all good. So. Well, let's go. Let's go so that we can go find out how wrong we are. <laughs> there we go. Sounds good. We'll see y'all next week. See you then. Mm-hmm.